Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the RiderFlex podcast. Along with our daily tips on career advice, our show features entrepreneurs, business owners, executives, and influencers from all types of industries, sharing their stories, providing advice based on their experiences, and chatting about their companies. If you're interested in being a guest on our show, you can email us at podcast at riderflex.com. And if you like today's episode, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and give us a quick thumbs up. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Um, Sherry, Verdi, very nice to meet you guys. Thanks for being on the Rider Flex podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, where is everybody today? Verdi, let's start with you. Are you in Puerto Rico? Where are you, bud? Yeah, I'm in San Juan, uh, Puerto Rico. Um, been down here for about a year now, a couple years. Yeah, before that, I was out in California for about eight years, and then a year up in uh, New York City. Um, and Sherry, where are you at? So I'm in Lahore, Pakistan. Um, I've been born and raised here. Then I left for um, half a decade, decade to London. Um, yeah, the purpose was education. And then I came back. Um, yeah, and since that time, um, being here, um, doing the same job for the last five years. Yeah. What time is it what, what time is it? Uh, right now, it's um, 10 past one in the morning. Okay. Okay, you must have me. You must have me on a different screen because you're you're looking you're looking to the side. Oh yeah, it's um, it's like multiple. I've <laughs> um, you know campaigns for the emails. Then looking at the Slack channels nope. and one communication <laughs> and everything. Then you know it's that kind of stuff. And then uh, sometimes I really have to do uh, look into some um, legal documents. You know, like the, um, agreements and all that. So you know, it's a little bit easy to copy one thing when you have a different one right in front of you rather than you know scrolling around windows sherry are you worried about this afghanistan noise and this 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 russia us you know sticking a chest out and stuff is it making you nervous over there um it does disturb the environment technically uh, because things were like normal uh before because that's how it has been for the last 15 20 years but now after this transition, uh, there is um, unsurety in this region, uh, just not in my country, but the whole region. Um, nobody really knows where they're going to end up. And uh, But yeah, to be very honest, as a country, Pakistan has actually gone through um, its own state. There were pretty terrible things happening um, almost like five years ago. So, um, yeah, our security forces were able to take good care of it. And now they are just being careful, um, you know, after this transition of power in Afghanistan. Okay. Like the borders, borders are being closely monitored. Um, you know, all of that situation is being um, looked a little bit more tightly as compared to in the past. Mm-hmm. And Verdi, uh, the Puerto Rico thing, uh, was that a uh, personal move, business move, tax move? I know a lot of guys went down there and captured some property and there's some tax benefits and things. What, what was the reason for that move? 
Yeah, tax was the main motivation. Um, but you know, I grew up originally in Ohio, and I've I've been going to Florida with my family. You know, that's pretty much where people in the Midwest go in the winter. And uh, so I'd always been around the Caribbean. And um, oh, I, see. I see, you know. But yeah, it was uh, it was a tax thing. The year that I was up in New York City, um, I'd met a bunch of traders, and they said, you know, Puerto Rico is the place to go. It's the best tax shelter available to Americans. It is, and yeah. so I. I took a flight down here for a week and uh, signed a lease that week, and then been here been here ever since. One of our advisory board members, I won't mention his name on the call, but uh, he uh, was in San Francisco, and this was, I guess, a year and a half ago. He calls me up. He goes, "Listen, he goes, listen, man. He said, I just, I just paid thirty five thousand dollars in real estate tax on my house." He said, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm moving to Puerto Rico. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I was in California, I was in San Francisco. And, the you know, between between federal, state and local taxes, we we're paying, I think, like 55 percent or something like that. You know, and that's it's just it's just crazy. But, um, yeah, you like, you it? know, there's you, a lot you of like it. Yeah, I like I like Puerto Rico. It's it's sort of. um it's sort of, there's, it's not without sacrifice. Uh, I'll say that because, you know, I don't speak fluent Spanish and like Spanish is the main language here. It just doesn't have the same sort of maker culture as San Francisco has. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's just a different pace of life, different culturally. Yes. Right. But if you're sort of willing to, uh, adjust to all that, then Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like, especially now with everything post COVID, which, you know, you can pretty much build from anywhere, right? And so that's, I think, one of the really exciting things about being in Puerto Rico is we sort of have a global talent pool now that we can access and it sort of doesn't really matter where you are. Um, in terms of weather, obviously, it's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it, is a different, it is a different lifestyle. Different lifestyle. The one thing I uh, remember, I was down there in 18, I think, with my wife and I. We went down for a week. And then, uh, the, the beaches are... It's all open, right? Like, the, the, is that correct? The beaches are all public, no matter where you're at. If you have, yeah. if you're staying in a fa- if you're staying in a fancy hotel, or if you have a mansion, or whatever it is connected to the water, you can't you can't block it off, right? Anybody can go anywhere. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. They try to they try to construct like pseudo barriers, you know. But if you want to go to the beach, you're going to go to the beach. Yeah. And there's so many pocket beaches everywhere. That's what's so cool about the island. It's like you can, you know, you can just drive down the the road and you'll just like find a random beach where there's hardly nobody there because everybody's sort of going to like the most popular three or four or five beaches on the island yeah, and you gotcha. can sort of live like uh like a local or you know maybe even like a nomad in some ways i i thought about when we were down there for a week and i remember reading about all the taxes i thought hmm maybe we should cash in and move down here but my wife she was having she was having none of it so anyway <laughs> well there's sort of a there's sort of a, a california exodus going on right now i was out there about 6 months ago and you know a few years ago well i guess probably 3 years ago now they passed that law where the state tax was no longer tax deductible on your federal taxes and so the states that have the highest taxes like california and new york a lot of people are leaving those states and going to lower tax places like texas or florida mm-hmm. and um yeah. You know, but yeah. Yep. Is your friend, do you have a family? Are you married kids, partners, girlfriends, boyfriends? What, what's the status, man? <laughs> yeah. I have a girlfriend. I have a girlfriend, uh, not married, never been married, no kids. Um, and, uh, yeah, my family is, uh, is pretty much all in Florida now. 
you know, okay. they were in Ohio, but they all sort of moved down to Florida. Let um, me guess. Na- let me guess. Naples area. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. You're you're good. You're real good. <laughs> By the way, I like Naples a lot. Uh, I've been hammered down there a few times. What's that park? Park Fifth Street. What, what's that? What's the name of the main street there? Fifth Street. Yeah, Fifth Third Avenue. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I've been hammered down there a few times. That's a different podcast, though. We can talk about that later. <laughs> the street is amazing. That whole area is awesome. You know, and it's it's like one of the best places in the country to buy real estate because it's. Mm. It's, it pretty much went through 2008 unscathed. I mean, there was almost no change in real estate prices. And, you know, obviously since then prices have, have tripled. So it's just, it's just such a great area. It's yeah. like, no matter where you are in the United States, people always want to be in Florida. You know, the weather plus the tax benefits is just like, it's yeah. never going to go out of fashion. So, And the one thing about Naples, you know, being on the West side, uh, it's it's maybe it's because I'm older. It's a little calmer. It's a little more laid back, a little slower, like like the Miami Fort Lauderdale stuff. Like, ah, I just can't do that anymore. You know, maybe I'm too. Old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really a gem. You know, Naples, especially um, it's just is such a well taken care of city. Uh, yeah. The people are really nice, really accommodating. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah. the summers are hot, but, you know, a lot of places are like that, you know, and the, and the winters are amazing. I mean, the winters are perfect. Yeah, the winter, the winters are um, perfect. So, so you're single now. Did you meet your girlfriend where? San Francisco, or where was she from? No. Uh, so, so you know, so I'm down here uh, in Puerto Rico, and okay. you know, when you're, <laughs> uh, when you're, yeah. um, when you're, when you're in sort of like on the cusp of Latin America, like the the dating pool is just different, right? Like most of the people are either Puerto Rican or Dominican or Cuban. Um, you get some people from the mainland U.S., but it's a little bit more rare. Uh, so my girlfriend, I actually met on Instagram. Um, here, I just there? while you were there, uh, uh, while I was here. So it, so she's actually a. Um, it's kind of a crazy story, but she's actually a basketball player. She's actually a what? Um, what? She's a Colombian Colombian basketball player, a female basketball player, and wow. I I um I I I, I saw her Instagram and. You know, and I at the time I had an assistant who was bilingual and I had her sort of just message her for me like in Spanish and she didn't write back. And I said, well, hey, why don't you, you know, I was like, why don't you message her from your Instagram account? Because, you know, it's like less, less obtrusive because she's, you know, she's a girl. It's like whatever. It's not a big deal. So she sent her a message and she gets a message back. And the message says that she's going to be in Puerto Rico in two weeks for a tournament. Perfect. And I, I was like, this is, are you, are you, you know, something must've been going well that day. So I was like, okay. So we met and, and sort of the rest is the rest is history. So. Well, is she tall? Is she super tall? Yeah, she is. She's real. She's real tall. Yeah. Well, are you, a, are you a tall guy too? Uh, so I'm no, she's taller than me. So I'm, uh, I'm about five eleven. So she's, uh, she's like, She's like six five, six foot five, six foot six. So she's she's quite what? a bit taller. You, you, come yeah. on, you're joking me. You're kidding me. No, I'm serious. It's, it's, it's way taller, you know, just not taller. <laughs> okay, okay. You have yeah. got this. You have got to text me a photo after with you guys standing next to me. Right. I got to. I have Deal. to see that. I have to see Deal. that. I would be intimidated. Okay, so first of all, you're a professional athlete and you're taller than me. I mean, damn. I don't know. That might intimidate me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it, it is intimidating. And and to be honest with you, I think I think that's sort of what makes it kind of interesting. Like we it, we sort of don't fit into this like normative type of like a relationship. Right. Like right. like 
well, first is it, I'm white and she's black. So that's like the first thing. Like, and then the second, then the second thing is like, I'm shorter than she is. So it's like a really, really so atypical. And, and I actually, so cause, cause I, um, I actually started doing some research on this and uh, like out of all, out of all like interracial relationships, white uh-huh. black is actually the least common. Only 11% of all interracial relationships are white black. And then out of all total relationships, only 3%, the woman is actually taller than the man. So this is like one of the most least common statistically, you know, but hey, it is what it is. You know? Wow. I know. I, I love it. I love it. Well, Sherry, what about you? Married kids, partners, girlfriends, boyfriends? What, what's your story, man? Sir, I got married last year. Now. Okay. All right. Now it's 2022. Now it's actually 2019 now. Um, when, when I got married and now I have one kid. Um, okay. It's a boy, six months. Right. Congratulations. So, thank you so much. So yeah, recently getting adjusted, um, adjusting to, you know, the family life and the responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, before that, I was um, just like an independent bird. Play, play in the field. Time. Play in the field. I yeah, understand. Of course, of course. No commitments. You know, it's just like <laughs> you never know what's gonna happen. And of course, you know, um, I work around like 50, 60 hours a week. So it really becomes difficult, you know, because when the commitment part commitment part starts, you know, right after that, there's expectations, you know. Ver- now see, Ver- Verdi was like, What are you talking about, man? 80 hours a week. I want 80 hours a week. What do you what do you Oh uh, well you I was being I was being polite, man. This is gonna this is gonna get published. <laughs> and I I, I don't wanna be like, you know, employment <laughs> employees are like getting scared before applying over here. You know? <laughs> like, okay, well, that's what we're doing. Right, right. Yeah. That's true. True. Uh, oh. Yeah, that's how it's like. How did you guys? So, so how did you guys meet? How did? Uh, I mean, I I saw obviously I saw Verdi. Verdi's got this. Jesus Christ, man, he's got so much stuff. It's like got so much stuff going on LinkedIn profile. I can't even keep up. I, he's got so many businesses and investments. I'm like, holy shit. Uh, how did you meet him, Sherry? What, what, did you were you friends or was he uh, was he looking for somebody? Um, How'd you meet him? Now, I met him first time actually in an interview. Um, he conducted my interview and... Uh, Did you apply? Like there was an opening and you applied or a recruiter or what happened? No, I think he might be able to answer that in a better way, how the story must have started before okay. me. But, okay. um, and then, um, but how, it, how I heard about Punch or, you know, it was like somebody knew me. And they were like, uh, you know, why don't you come in and talk to this guy? I see. And I, see. I was doing a friend of yours called you and said, Hey, you should talk to Verdi. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, Verdi, uh, I'll let you take the lead on this one. Verdi, but yeah, yeah. Talk to me about meeting Sherry and then we can roll into punch. Go ahead. Yeah. I'll just say mm-hmm. Sherry is like, you know, one of the most incredible human beings I've ever met. And wow, what happened, what he, re- he really is. And what, what the reason why he's so incredible is he's one of those guys that, always thinks about the bigger picture before himself always thinks about what's possible before what's not possible Mm. always thinks about keeping other people happy and engaged before uh before letting the team get sacrificed you know it's sort of like one of those kinds of guys and what happened was um sherry started off as a sales guy at punch he started off as a sales rep at punch and punch 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 now is probably uh 
six years old. Um, Sherry joined it probably after about, I wouldn't say two to three years. And there was right about a time three years ago where, you know, we had a lot of early success. The company grew super fast. We were at like a $4 million run rate in our like second or third year. I mean, as a service-based business, that's phenomenal growth. We were doing really well. Yes. And I had hit a point, I did a point where I was just like, this is amazing. I'm going to step away and just go travel, enjoy my life. And so I handed the keys to, uh, to another guy to basically run the company while I just took time off. I took a sabbatical. I wasn't working. I was just sort of traveling the world, enjoying okay. my life. And the company did not do as well during that time period. You know, okay. like basically the company was for all intended purposes, sort of on life support. Mm. But at that point in time, oh, and there's one more thing I didn't tell you, which is the person who was running the office in Pakistan at that time completely backstabbed the entire organization in the United States. Uh, and I don't want to name any names, but let's just say that um, they, they basically, sh- you know, and this is sort of one of the problems that you have when you're dealing with a foreign partner or, for, or let's say a JV, uh, a joint venture, is that you're sort of like, if the person on the other end doesn't see the bigger picture, then they could literally throw away years of work off one bad decision. And that's exactly what ended up happening. So when that mm. happened, and this is sort of why I was giving all the talk about why Sherry's so great. Mm. What he did was he basically put his own money on the line to rebuild the office over there and run it as a ghost skeleton crew for about two years because he believed so much in the brand and the potential of the company that he, he basically put that on the line. And wow. then, um, and then about a year ago, I, I sort of just sat back, you know, I was traveling, having a good time, sort of looking like, who is this guy? What is he doing? Why doesn't he quit? Why doesn't he just go do something else? You know, why does he go get a job? Why is he still here? And then it finally just dawned on me, like, this guy is so dedicated. I got to throw my hat back in the ring and I got to get back in the game. And that's sort of, that's sort of what happened. So, so then, you know, I came back, I would say a year ago and things have just been, um, things have just been obviously, you know, absolutely gangbusters since then. But this guy has basically held the ship together through about two, two to three years while I was on the sabbatical. Sure. You want to talk about like, I don't want to guide the meaning here, but sure. You want to just talk about what motivated you during that time period? Cause I'm actually curious about this. And before you answer, is that why you're managing, is that why your title is managing directors because you're an investor and part owner in the company? Is that accurate? Uh, not at all. We don't, no? really, oh, we don't really work by the titles here. Um, not at all. <laughs> Okay. I, I continue. I technically evolved through the very same, you know, it wasn't a lot of money. I think uh, he, it was something, but if I go into the background, you know, I was working in a very huge organization. They had like 2000 employees and I, I was just um, a telephonic salesman, you know, customer service rep, um, technical support rep. But at the end of the day, the job was to sell upsell what i was doing it was uh, you know all these uh, communication partners charter xfinity um certain link mediacom some of the satellite ones uh, my job was to actually sell those connections i see or you know if somebody has um, just the tv or the internet my job is to add the landline although nobody in the world needs it right but um, so um, that's what I was doing. So, you know, uh, when I joined in, I was like, okay, this is just not a development shop. This is like a brand and, you know, they 
no matter the size of the company, it's more about the quality of work they are doing. And um, that's what motivated me to join the organization. Now, as he just said, um, you know, I started as a sales rep, um, but the opportunity which I was able to find was like in my team, I was the only one with the pure hardcore sales experience. Um, you know, few of them were very good with the computer stuff, software technology, they knew, they knew their shit, man. They, they can talk to you like an engineer or a designer for a few days and you wouldn't even realize, you know, this guy is just a salesman, you know? They, they were doing the same job. And few of them were MBAs and all that. But my, 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 my thought process was like more about just hardcore sales. I need to sell. And I was that naive in, that, in those days that I ended up closing a deal with a client and, you know, we were supposed to begin, line up our resources. And I remember this, I didn't know the difference between a data scientist and a data engineer. And they asked me like, okay, what did the client talk about? And I'm like, listen guys, I got a recording and the money in the account already. So you know what, it's your stuff, you take care of it. I'm gonna take care of my stuff. So that was my attitude, my numbers were good. And then, of course, the, um, um, you know, the big day happened when um, uh, the previous partner, I wouldn't really call him partner, but technically, uh, Woody was um, supposed to run stuff based on his trust. Was the and other guy was the other guy an equity holder, Verdi? No, so we set these up as JV. So basically, oh, okay, the, the person okay. in the other country has a a, a different entity, and they're the they're the hundred percent owner of that entity, and gotcha. we're the hundred percent of the US entity. Gotcha. Sorry, Sherry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Um, so um, yeah, so there was a day I just came to work, and I knew like, oh, I'm my boss favorite. You know, I'm the one who brings the most money. I was handed over a termination letter, and I packed up my stuff and I went home. Wow. And uh, 15 minutes after I went home, I found out like, okay, my boss is still expecting me on the sales call, which I booked like a week ago. And he didn't know that I had been sent home. I was carrying my box in my car. You know? <laughs> and that guy's me, by the way. <laughs> I didn't know. And I was like, uh, Woody, I really like you, man. I loved working with you, but my problem is that guy just terminated my contract. And, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not really sure, but I can join from my phone. They took away my laptop. So um, he was like, excuse me, what? And the story started from there. Now, of course, um, it was um, huge, huge. I think uh, he just wrapped it up in a couple of sentences, but it was like a huge roller coaster ride for us. Wow. And, um, the bigger, you know, the bigger challenge at that time was that it was very easy for him to, you know, just shut down the whole operations in Pakistan and, you know, find any other corner in the world. For a guy like him, I believe it would be very easy. Um, you know, he has worked with so many people around the globe. And, you know, we have competitive markets all around. Nobody's going to. So... So at that time, for me, I had to decide, like, I should find a new job or what shall I do? And then, of course, there was no office or anything. I was like, you know what, let's see how it works out. And I was like, OK, let's do it. And 
you know, the good thing was, yeah, um, of course, it was, it took me some time to really earn the 100% trust. He gave me all the independence I needed to make my decisions, but I earned his trust in a few months. And for that period, I was like, you know what? I don't need the money. Let's work first. And um, yeah, there was um, like a basement in my house. Okay. And we took like the huge dining table. We, we, I'm sorry, man, we're brown people. We eat on the bed. We have like... Yeah. Three dining tables at home. We, we eat by sitting on the bed. That's funny, right? So, um, <laughs> yeah, these are racial and cultural jokes I always share with Verdi and the team. Anyway, um, so we use those dining tables and those chairs, you know, rather than asking for like 20,000, 25,000 again to set up a, a like um, again yeah. another office. <laughs> so we started from there three months, you know, we got our office back. And from there, the only thing which that it was quality service. We, we do like really, we're not just like any other engineer who would just, you know, get a project and start working on it. We, we kind of more rely on the relationships for very long times. Now, that being said, I thought of, you know, it's easy for the recurring business to happen rather than, you know, focusing only on bringing new business. So by having those thoughts, um, I started running the business operation side of things. Uh, and so now, yeah. you're still, so you, now you started off as a, as a software engineer major and then you went into sales and now you're running ops. You, you're <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. But I still love sales. I think I am still really good at it. I, I love giving demos to Woody uh, whenever he needs it. But again, my job is to, you know, have the bridges between all the location. Communication uh, has to be always there and uh, the work has to be delivered according to expectation. To put, to put some things in context. So Sherry was working at a call center as a sales rep, joined Punch as a sales rep. The guy over there crashed the office. Sherry saw the potential. Now Sherry's running an office of 40 people. Uh, we, we're expanding the office over there nice. and he's, he's made it all happen. You know, he's nice. the head, he's the head guy, you know, he, he you know, I want to say he's the head listener because everybody <laughs> comes to him with their problems. Right. Yeah, if you're managing human beings, you're there. That's the job right there. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's difficult than managing sales, man, but sales is just numbers and numbers speak louder than anybody, but you know, managing but, people, you got to understand all kind of nature, all kind of situations. And I think you got to always be considerate. It's um, always less about, you have to create a balance between the company and the employee. And, you know, that's why one has to be the listener. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. It, it, and, it's, and it's also just such a perfect example of like glass half full versus glass half empty mentality. You know, like this office got shut down. It gets a termination letter. And instead of being sad about it, he sees the opportunity to rebuild something where, you know, there can be actual absolute trust between both sides because he saw this situation happen before he knows the, where that led. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, Very trust nice. is so foundational, you know, it's like without, without trust, people just can't work together, you, you know, and that, it's just, you got that you know, right. Verdi, what and now it would be me, a good time. It took me, uh, I'm so sorry about that, but it took me real, some real effort to bring him back. You know, he, yeah. he was traveling the world and I'm like, 
Listen, I can do this by myself only to this extent. But what what know, happened was what happened was this time in Pakistan wasn't the only time this happened to me. We had an office in oh. Phuket, Thailand with another 50, 60 people over there before. And the exact same thing happened to me over there. The guy backstabbed us. And basically by this time this happened twice, I washed my hands of it. I said, you know what? I'm never doing this again. This is the worst decision. I'm just going to take time off. I'm going to go travel. I'm going to enjoy my life. But yeah, he, he mm. somehow pulled me back into this game. Now would be a good time. I think Verdi, maybe for the listeners to, can you give us a three minute elevator pitch of punch? And by the way, do you, do you, do you refer to it as punch or punch group when you're talking to outsiders and can you give us like the three yeah. minute kind of go for it? Well, the, yeah, I'll, I'll give the quick and dirty. So, you know, punch is a full service creative digital agency. Um, I think what makes us unique is that we're entrepreneurs. We have, you know, we build product projects for customers, a lot of uh, small to mid-sized businesses. Okay. But I think what makes us unique is that we operate as a venture studio slash digital agency. So we have our own ideas. We go build our own projects as well. Um, and the reason why we do that is because that allows us to be to, to basically, one, understand all the opportunities that are available in terms of technology, where can technology be applied, but it also allows us to, to sympathize with our clients in terms of what it takes to make a business successful. Right, because unless people are actually building their own businesses, they don't actually know what it takes to go make a business successful, and they just right. end up in this sort of um, antagonistic fee for hire, work for hire relationship where there's not a lot of empathy. Um, and so, I would say that's kind of our primary differentiator. Our secondary differentiator is we have a ridiculous commitment to excellence, where and you can just sort of see it in our work, where we just like push the boundaries of what's creatively possible. So like, you know, whenever we, we do something, we think it's great. We're always sort of pushing for like, what is the, how can we make this better and better and better? And that sort of, that kind of comes from running businesses as part of comes from that like iter iterative product mentality um, where you sort of get something out there and then you kind of keep making it better and better over time. But that's really at its heart. That's actually essentially what innovation is. Innovation is, you get a spark of an idea, but then you sort of chisel at it and make it better and better and better until it's like something that people just can't imagine their lives without. And that's what we um, set to achieve. Yeah. And it's, and it's punch.cool, right? Punch.cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, by the way, I, got, I must admit, and maybe I'm just, <laughs> I'm not educated on it. I'm ignorant to it, but I pulled it up. I'm like, what the hell? Cool. I've never seen that before. Is that, is that new? I'm hearing, I don't, this. Not hearing this first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, we've actually had customers tell us, uh, I took the meeting because you, you're, uh, you had punched that cool. And I thought that was cool. Um, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just like, we used to have the domain punch-agency.com, which is just sort of like this boring descriptive thing. And, you know, one day I'm just sitting there, I'm like, you know, this doesn't really tell the story about who we are. Like, mm, it's just, mm. it's just sort of generic flavor, a me too brand. Like we need something that just stands out. And we, and the .com, I always wanted the .com, but Hawaiian Punch has the .com. So, you know, oh, oh yeah. So oh, I, it's going to be tough yeah. to, it's going to be tough to, <laughs> it's going to be tough to get that one. If anyone from Hawaiian Punch is listening, send us a note. Um, <laughs> Why Punch? But, Why the name Punch in the first place? You know, I was, uh, I was sitting with um, a good friend of mine, um, our creative director at a cafe in, uh, I want to say um, Berkeley, California, 
we were sitting at a cafe about in the morning having like a like a coffee or something and you know i just told him like you know i'm thinking about doing this agency you know what should we call it he said you should call it parallel i'm like parallel well, he's like, yeah, because you're, you're aligned with your clients, right? So you can imagine two lines together. I see. And he's I like, see. it's great for branding. I'm like, parallel. He's like, you know what? Actually, he thought about it more. He's like, parallel is kind of hard to say. And then he's like, P, why don't you just call it punch? And we started thinking about it more. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of things you can do with that. Like it packs a punch, you know, as a punch. And like, okay, okay cool. Okay. You know, it's short, sweet. People know how to say it. Let's go with it. Okay. Very, very curious. Verdi, was was your first huge win when you uh, sold in store, or did you have some exits before that? Uh, no, so I would I would say the first huge win was just the first few years of Punch. Like Punch just grew really really oh. well. Um, oh, okay. In store okay. sold in store sold a couple of years after Punch got started, uh, okay. and then you know, and then around that time, um, I would say it was like probably two thousand and. 14, 2015. Um, I did some, I did some angel investments. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I had not known anything about angel investing at the time, but you know, the strategy was, um, just sort of invest in stuff that you think is cool or useful or stuff that you would like. And every time I invested in stuff that, um, I thought was going to be a good investment, it sort of didn't work out. And anytime I invested in something because um, the technology was cool or, or, or like, you know, or it's, I thought, or, or maybe I was shopping for it as a product that we could use. And I was like, yeah, this seems like we could use it. Um, it, it ended up working out. Um, and uh, your investments, are they, most of them listed on your website? And by the way, uh, you do pronounce your last name Ergen, right? Ergen? Yeah. No, I don't uh, disclose my investments. Um, oh, I didn't know if those, okay, the companies on your, your personal website, verdiergen.com. I didn't know what those were. Yeah, so those are, so those are, that's our venture studio arm. So that's the stuff that we're developing and spinning out at Punch. Um, oh, I see, I see, I see, okay. Yeah, but um, gotcha. I've invested in, uh, I've been lucky enough to invest in two IPOs, um, which, is, which is really cool. Uh, and then uh, probably another 20 or 30 um, private companies. Um, but yeah, not, I mean, obviously not all of those work out. Um, are you, and um, I would, are, are you entertaining pitch decks right now? Are you, are you looking for additional investments? Are I you... think, I think we are, I think we want to do, we haven't formalized this, but I think over the next two years, you know, or maybe a year, we want to set up a, um, uh, a f fund. kind of like a hybrid fund, you know, okay. I think you know, we've developed so much tech internally to just help companies. And also we have these great engineers and designers. Um, the whole company now is about 55 people and, you know, we're probably going to be 80 people around April. I think we just, there's something really can do really cool that we can do that sort of combines capital infusion with talent infusion. Okay. Um, and, and sort of maybe in addition to that, sort of our perspective from just having done a bunch of this stuff. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Very good. How, by the way, how does an an Ohio boy go to Michigan? What what happened? You were supposed to go to Ohio State. What the hell? What what? <laughs> uh, that's actually a good question. Um, man, you really you really do. Yeah, you know your you know your stuff. Um, it's funny. It's funny because I was going to a Michigan Ohio football game, and uh, I had a good good buddy of mine that went to Ohio State, and the and the game was going to be at Ohio State Stadium. Uh, uh, and he tells me before I drive down there, he goes. He goes, Verity, you got to cover up your license plates. 
I go, why? He goes, if they see your Michigan license plates, they're going to destroy your car, man. I'm like, are you, are you serious? Is it that big of a deal? He's like, yeah, it's no joke. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, Michigan just had a really good business school, which I, which I didn't even end up doing the business school there. Um, but, uh, yeah, they had a really good business school and, um, you know, I got in, so I was like, okay. 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 Very, very good. Um, thank you for that overview of punch. I appreciate it. I want to ask you guys a couple of, uh, what I call outside the lines questions here as we, as we get closer to the back end of this real quick, uh, Sherry, let me, um, let me uh, start with you. What, what, how do you get hired at punch from a personality culture perspective? Forget about, forget about skill set for a minute. Like what kind of person are you looking for? Talk to me about the kind of, what, what kind of character traits and, and things are you looking for when you're interviewing somebody? I'm curious. Um, first, they should always know what they're talking about. Second, if they're claiming something and if they have put it on their resume, I would like to believe that they know about it. Third, you, mean, you, you, mean, you mean candidates lie? That's weird. I've never heard that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that happens, sir. That happens. Um, that happens in the real world. It happens. Um, you know, um, you know, we we get, never got that much time. You know, that we're gonna start calling their previous employers and you know start running background checks and those kind of details. But you can always tell if somebody has done a particular job, they should know some aspects of that job, right? And you know, that's always my way of starting a discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but more importantly, when we are trying to make a decision, uh, we don't really work with the starters. Uh, so here is two kind of segments we try to hire. Okay. So if we have an active need on a project, that person has to be skilled, highly skilled, and um, they got to be on top of their game. Then we hire for a second segment, which are like early beginners, recently graduated people or who are trying to get into the field or have maybe less than one year of experience. Um, you know, basic understanding with the tools and the technology really helps. Um, so yeah, these are the two kinds of people, but um, yeah, nothing fancy. If they can be really honest about themselves and they're really willing to, um, you know, kind of dedicate. And we really have some really good success stories in which, you know, we have, um, I'm not the only one, you know, go up who went uh, from the very bottom of the ladder to the top. Uh, we have some great examples because those guys were also able to keep on developing. So, you know, an individual can start as just a graphic designer and then he can evolve into somebody like a branding expert. And then from there, he can learn UI, UX, you know, interface and user experience. So it's... if. If one has what it takes, you know, I always believe like providing that chance, which uh, Wordy has provided me. So, sure. You, you get your work ethic from your mom or your dad or both. Where's, where does your drive come from? I want to give the credit um, to a couple of bosses in my past. Um, they, um, again, as I was telling you that I went to London. So um for quite some time, I was also the guy they call fresh off the boat. So, you know, it was difficult for me, but those people uh, really gave me that chance for no reason. 
you know, I'm, it was a Scottish guy, man, who gave me the job. And it was very difficult for somebody who was really trying to understand the Scottish accent for the first time. You know? Did you I meet this? Did you meet the Scottish guy when you were at school in London? Yes. Um, and um, on top of that, uh, yeah, I was like, last time I heard this, that was Braveheart. Uh, where did you come from? You know, so uh, yeah. So I can, why, uh, I can see why you're good at sales, man. You're instantly likable. I mean, you just you could just go into a bar, probably in any country, doesn't matter what the relate race or religion is, and people are just gonna like oh. you. They're just gonna they're just gonna sign on the die on the on the line which is dotted. <laughs> so yeah, um, they did it for me um, now um, for various. Uh, you know, reasons I got that position and uh, authority. Um, I would like to do the same. And I think um, it's an opportunity provided can give you, can end up in, it's just like, if you don't really try, you never get to know. And, um, you know, we, we were able to have people for more than three years, which, you know, we actually thought like might not last three weeks. Um, yeah, that's so, great. It's That's just great. like that opportunity, chance given to them really define who they are now. So I'm happy about and want to continue doing that. Verdi, I want to ask you a couple of questions here. Sure. Uh, kind of for, for headed to wrap up. Um, outside the lines questions, kind of shifting gears for a second. You're pretty active on social media. You're 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 out there. People know who you are. You have your own website. Um what are your thoughts on CEOs that are active on websites that are active on social media that take sides and opinions and speak up about controversial or touchy topics and whatever the hot topic is of the month that everybody's debating around the world and the, the CEO screams a certain side? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it depends on who their stakeholders are. You know, if they, ha if they have certain investors, you know, it might be more risky. Um, if they're uh, independent, you know, mom and pop shop, whatever, organically grown, probably mm -hmm. doesn't matter as much. Um, I think in general, it's a good thing to speak your mind and say or share what you how you really feel about things. Uh, you know, I think, you know, we need to live in a, we need to sort of imagine what is the future world that you want to live in. It's, it's a world where, people can share how they really feel and argue about stuff. And hopefully in that conversation, the best ideas come to the top and that's sort of hopefully what happens to win. Um, it doesn't always end up that way. Um, but there's probably a little bit too much animosity on social media these days. And there's probably a little bit too much uh, sensitivity as well. Uh, people on both sides could probably have thicker skin and maybe also be a little bit more respectful. Do you, are you a big first amendment guy? Do you think people should be able to say whatever they want? Yeah, I am. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on your former employer, Google, shutting people down off YouTube and canceling people and turning people off if they don't, if they say something that didn't fit the narrative, what are your thoughts on that? I think as a, as a platform, you know, when you offer a platform like that, um, you sort of, you sort of have a, uh, a social contract, if you will, to not selectively, uh, cancel people. Uh, I think I think it's I think it's a good idea to have rules and sort of regulations that govern the overall respect of the platform, and to make those as transparent and easy to understand as possible. But in terms of selectively canceling people, I think that that's not um, 
that's not in, in good taste for those platforms. Okay. So, so people getting wiped out of Facebook because they said something about masks or COVID that Facebook didn't like that. That's not cool. I don't think that's cool. No, I, I, it's, it's really difficult because those same platforms do as much as they can to stifle competition. They buy up competitors, um, they copy a lot. And so they make it really difficult for there to be alternatives, but then at the same time, cancel people. It's sort of like a double, it's like a, it's like a double death pill, right? It's like, not only do you get canceled, but then there's really no other place to go. So it's like, then you're truly silenced. So it's not a, it's not a good thing. Yeah. And what if your whole business is tied to Facebook or YouTube and you get wiped out? What if you're, you're, I mean, you got an e-commerce business that's tied to those channels and you get canceled, like, holy shit, your business is over. (laughs) Well, it's, it's happened to a lot of companies and, um, you know, it's sort of, um, let's say that sort of as time goes on, the world becomes technology sort of democratizes and improves sort of, you know, the capabilities of people, but this, you know, that, let's just say things in medieval times were way worse, right. Than these sort of issues. Right. But in an ideal world, these sorts of things are still not what we would want. And, and so, you know, hopefully in a hundred years, things will be even better. Yeah. I keep hearing the argument, you know, I ask this question a lot because I, I, I like getting the answers and I get all kinds of answers on it. Um, and I, I hear, I hear some people say, well, you know, they're private companies, they can do whatever they want. If, if people don't like it, they should go to a different platform. Well, like you said, there, there are no other platforms to go to. It, it's, right. a complete, it's a complete monopoly. Uh, uh, and as a business owner myself at RiderFlex, I mean, we're, we're a recruiting firm. We're a recruiting firm, right? I, I, I wouldn't want, like in one, at one point, I don't want the government calling and telling me what to do with my own recruiting firm. However, in this case, I just think it's so massive. It's so big. Google has so much power on planet Earth that, that I think it's different now. I think we're, I think we're in a different set of rules. Uh, you know, <laughs> something's, something needs to, uh, I think something needs to be, you know, something needs to change to be able to manage that situation. I think, that, I think it's going to be one of the most important things we do as human beings on the planet going forward forward is deciding what we're going to do with information flowing through the internet and who has the control of it. Um, yeah. Um, Just real quick on that. You know, it, even a lot of this web three stuff is sort of the institution antidote, if you will, you know, a lot of these institutions had to exist because, um, because of the way that data was structured, right? You, right. you know, data sort right. of operates on a, on a database. And so you need to have a transaction record. Somebody needs to manage that database. And that, that's right. where our institutions are created. And so now you have this Web3 stuff that's built in the blockchain. Now those databases can be decentralized, yet they're still uh, transactional. And so now that enables uh, sort of these communication systems to exist without institutions. And so I think over time, this stuff is going to get worked out. Um, but it's, it's not going to happen in, in, in a couple of years. It's going to probably take a little bit, a bit longer than that. I want to ask you one more question, but I'm going to come back to you for it. Um, Sherry, really quick. Um, COVID, what'd you do over there uh, where you're at? What, 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 I mean, did you make everybody get shots? Did you make everybody wear masks? Did, did they have to be in spacesuits when they came to work? What, what'd you do? <laughs> what, what, what happened? Long story short, uh, Pakistan really didn't go through real terrible times. Our government, uh, with the support of China, was able to, you know, um, get the vaccines in time. Um, We didn't really get treated as a third world country. But um, on top of that, 
our government was efficient. Oh, Bill Gates today here is in Pakistan admiring those, uh, you know, steps and the process which we were able to implement in our country. Okay. okay. Um, but that being said, as a company, of course, we had to go through some changes in the very beginning. Um, you know, at that particular chapter, uh, it's funny, I was actually the first one um, in February 2021 uh, when I uh, got diagnosed with it um, in the company. At that time, you know, it was, uh, you know, a lot of hype and, you know, the word was getting around. And um, so I locked myself uh, for 15 days um, mm. and, you know, I went through the whole experience. I was okay, but I also knew that, um, okay, this is serious because not everybody can uh, go away for 15 days. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, as soon as I came back, we started implementing with those uh, protocols uh, okay. right there. Okay. And then, you know, um, sanitizers and a few other things were added into the list of buying, you know, um, every month. Uh, we had to change some of our cleaning chemical and um, some vendors for, you know, that fumigation process. Um, on weekly basis. That's how we started, but uh, not really anybody was able to um, keep themselves safe from it. Um, so um, after that, we really had to, if somebody would sneeze, we will get them tested. That's how about it. Um, because of course you can pay at a private laboratory and get yourself tested anytime and they will get their results back in three to four hours. So that's what we kept doing and have been doing for the last two years. Um, COVID just kind of comes back with like, okay, new and improved, you know, so, and with the vaccination, yeah, it was easy because the government was uh, providing it for free and they kind of made it mandatory for us from the very beginning. Uh, We were, we were not even allowed to go to a shopping mall or, uh, you know, in order to Oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. All right. So you couldn't, you couldn't buy food unless you had the shop. Technically, yes. So it was easy. We got like uh, like a big ride um, to hotel for Sh- um, Shefford, I guess that's what they call it. But we just like took three or four rides, um, eight, gotcha. ten people every time. Um, and now it's the booster time. So now we are getting individual calls on our phone numbers because they have us in their database. So oh, really? Yeah, really interesting. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Do they still have to wear masks in the building and then in the office or no? Uh, not really. Not anymore. Okay. 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 All right. Thank you for sharing that with me. Last question. We're out of time. I'm going to ask Verdi one more question. Verdi, at this point, by the way, awesome career, awesome portfolio. I mean, hey, you're living the life. Plus, your 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 girlfriend's a basketball star. I mean, come on, they can't get much better than that. Uh, but if you at, th- at this stage, at this age, if you had to put your core purpose in life now, moving forward, kind of the go forward core purpose in life for you, what would that sound like in a sentence or two? Yeah, this is something that I've uh, reflected a lot on in the last year or two. Um, just this whole experience of like self indulgence, and then like just seeing. Um, like the tenacity of the whole team and everything and reflecting on that, you know, and coming back and then just putting, putting everything into this and growing it again. Um, you know, and then, and then also sort of watching my parents, you know, and get older and friends get older and that sort of thing. It's like, 
you know, life is, life is really short. You know, it's, um, my uncle just told me last night, he's like, you know, you're going to be 40 soon. And in the blink of an eye, you're going to be 60. Um, you know, I think, I think helping people is like the prime directive, you know, it's like, I think a lot of people and, and I've been guilty of this too, are too focused on the short term, you know, mm-hmm. like now when we go to do things, like we, we, we think about everything in terms of like the next 40 years, like, like what do we need to do today to make ourselves better for the next 40 years? And you, when you think about things like that, you sort of start to think about the things that sort of matter more, um, the bigger decisions, um, not the immediate payoff or the immediate outcome. Uh, if I had to, if I had to distill it down and I, I would say it'd be like a couple things. One is, Helping people is like the most important thing. Um, the second thing is getting to be able to work with people that you enjoy working with is so underrated. You know, yes. it's so important. It really is. And I, really- and I think the third thing is, you know, everybody says this, but you can never say it enough. Like life truly is short and, you know, we don't have a lot of time to make an impact, you know? And so like maybe people should be a little error, a little bit more on the side of taking risk a little bit less on the side of playing safe um, and, and sort of just go for it. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but you, but you always learn something. You know, I heard the other day, there's a saying, your work works on you more than you work on it. And, and the truth of that saying is you always learn something from your work, whether you realize it that moment or later. So no work is wasted, you know? Yeah. I like it. Things. I like it. Thank you, sir. Verdi, Sherry, thank you so much for being on the Rider Flex podcast. Great interview. We could go on and on. I could, I could go deeper. We could get some bigger stories out of you, but uh, we're out of time for today. I'll have to bring you back on the show, but thank you very much. Awesome. We love it. Thank you so much.